0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello and welcome to season five of the Yowie Shelf. (laughs) Grab a seat and relax you're listening to my voice and be like, Amanda,
1: you sound super sick. I'm going to say, shut your mouth. I'm totally healthy. Amanda does not sound super sick. Amanda sounds super sexy. Uh,
0: It's (laughs) the first week of the new year, really. And God has decided to nerf me once again. You are too powerful, though. Let's be honest. Literally, if I could reach my own paper towels at grocery stores, I'd be a dictator. (laughs) I've had a series too powerful. I'd have a I've had a series of strategic nerfs because otherwise I would be a god king. You would. I am no doubt. But I'm so glad to be back. I'm glad to see Corolla's bright and shining face again.
1: <laughs> it's my face, bright and shiny. Thank you. Uh, it's been. Uh, it's been a January. I was done with this new year. It's literally second. seven days in. I hate it here. I <laughs> I mean, not not here in particular. I've been very excited oh, to make you. this episode. Thank I'm you. just, I'm just, I hate January with a burning passion and it is really cold. It's very subtle. I, I hate I barely it. noticed. Yeah, barely. Uh, anyone who follows my, my, Uh, Ramble Twitter will have noticed That I have been taking my life
0: (laughs) Corolla has been tweeting Like I used to give MySpace updates (laughs) When I was in like High school and college Just like vague random but very emo It's not Yes Actually I was about to say, please tell me where the lie is, because I, just like that (laughs) meme I've shared in Discord of Wolfwood saying, I do not care, cares deeply, was like, hey, buddy, are you all right?
1: But I wasn't, and I'm not, and it's, it's going to pass, okay? It's just my annual January depression, it happens every year, Uh, it just. I kind of tilted on the second because I got an. It wasn't even an email. It was like a it was like a message in a group chat, which was like, oh, we should have a meeting today. And listen, there was no meeting scheduled. I wasn't prepared for this. So I had to cry for two hours. But, you know, <laughs> um, I told them I was busy. It's fine. But I just had to have a meltdown. Um, it, it should. It's fine. It's-
0: and one more update before we get started. So I was worried that the Swedish Yule goat would stand another
1: year. Ah, it, it almost—it looked. It, I, mean, yeah. I mean, technically, technically, it still stand. I, I mean, mean, technically, it, it-, it wasn't
0: on fucking fire, but but a flock of jackdaws did greatly diminish its structural <laughs> um, integrity.
1: Amanda was very gleeful in my DMs about how was, her birds had yes, delivered. <laughs> my fucking bird. I was so smug. It's like
0: fucking Wicked Witch. Just like, look at my pretties. And it's just this flock of jackdaws.
1: <laughs> just reverse Disney princess the hell out of that goat. Literally me. Uh,
0: so I'm so glad to be back. We're talking about shipping in Western fandom spaces. I'm so glad to start the new year off with this because this year... When I tell you guys that this year is going to be one of the best years of the show, we are not kidding.
1: <laughs> this is true. I mean, this... we may be tired and, you know, old and frail, but the the, <laughs> the upcoming season is going to be fire. Again. Amanda's
0: super not dying and is fine.
1: I am uh, absolutely not just this tattered cloth of anxiety. Um, we are good. It's Uh, No, but it's a really, there are some very, very good things coming up this year.
0: Yeah, there are some great things coming up this year. And we're not just saying
1: that. No,
0: which is a good time to remind our listeners. uh, Corolla, what are these videos?
1: Uh, They are extremely demonetized. Uh, The YouTube gods don't love us.
0: (laughs) Correct. Uh, Correct. This is a great time. If you've been considering to support the show on Patreon, that is (laughs) patreon.com. Slash the Yowie Shelf. There are some great perks. Um, I will be working on our um, exclusive Patreon merch for this year and the next week or so. Because, as I'm sure you guys can hear, I am sick. So, Please don't overexert yourself in the new year. I am doing my best. My therapist (laughs) will yell at me if I do. So this is a great time to support the show at Patreon.com. And with that, on with the show. So we're going to talk about shipping... In Western fandom spaces, and gasp, Western fan culture has shipping,
1: right? Wow. (laughs) I didn't know a lot. I know. I I have had to do some serious soul-searching ahead of this episode, because I... I realized yeah i saw you in my twitter notifications i have realized that i don't have any western ships and a lot of the the ships that i immediately thought of as western i realized these are not western they're just live action they're they're just real people they are not west yeah so yeah live action doesn't necessarily mean
0: western apparently not (laughs) so and not just that western fandom has shipping because of course there's shipping but it has queer ships i think that's Mm -hmm. where we're really going to dig in and
1: i think it's important to go over i'm sorry
0: (coughs) (coughs) i'm sorry cause triggers coughing fit Uh, (laughs) i woke up and chose
1: violence
0: against a dying old man
1: i'm sorry uh
0: so let's start off with something uh, that is very necessary for this episode. Queer ships in Western fandom properties is not new. One of the early sh- earliest ships ever was Captain Kirk and Spock from Star Trek. So we're talking, like, 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. This is not new. Um, literally, that is one of the first fandom ships ever. It's uh, Star Trek gave us the first, like nerdy sci-fi conventions it's all star trek um and we have to give credit to that history i think sometimes it's easy to ignore especially because like the reboot franchise wasn't as good Mm -hmm. and we're getting farther and farther away from og star trek but we have to give a lot of credit to star trek here that it is really you know the ship that brought us most of the Mm -hmm. modern ideas of fan culture that we have today
1: yeah, and it's like, you know, it took me so long to realize because, shockingly, I have never been into Star Trek. Uh, mm. <laughs> and, you know, even though we are, you know, fandom ancients, we're, we're old, you know, by the, I guess, the calculations of the kids of today. But, you know, we, Star Trek was old when we were kids. Yes. right? So we weren't there. And so you have to kind of like, if you weren't into it, if you couldn't access the media yourself, you have to, mm-hmm. you know, like me, I've had to read up on this and realize just mm-hmm. how important Star Trek and the fan culture surrounding it was for, you know, fan cultures like cosplay originated yep. because of Star Trek, comic yep. originated because of Star Trek yep. and slash fan fiction very largely has its roots in Star Trek.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's such a great point, Does that, I mean, like, we're old by fan yeah. standards, and Star Trek was old when we were kids. So, as we get farther and farther removed from it, mm. it's easier to see why we've sort of lost that part of fan history, but I think it's really, really important to go back. Now, I know that there are some people that find, like, William Shatner to be really, really problematic. I mean, look at him.
1: <laughs> I don't know anything about... William Shatner. I know but I, what
0: I but I do think it's important if you ever just like if you have access to it, give those old episodes a watch because you can see where a lot of the foundations of modern fan culture mm-hmm. are rooted. And some of the conversations that we've been having about homosexual representation, about um black representation, about mm-hmm. female representation, those all started with Star Trek. Um, when I was at the Smithsonian Museum of African American History, there was this beautiful exhibit about, like, black people on TV, and it talked about that first interracial kiss. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like, oh my god, that was Star Trek. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's amazing. And it also, again, because of where we're sitting in media, it feels like that happened a thousand years ago.
1: It didn't. No. No but it was everything very was moving recent. so quickly yeah and it's like i've been i've been going through some of my um some of my what do you even call it like academic books mm. as we prepare for this because i don't know anything about western i mean i do but you know it's not where i spend most of my time in western right. so i've been reading up on it and literally all the three books that i have been perusing could have just been called like a fandom history of Star Trek. Because that's yeah. what it focuses on. It is it is all Star Trek. But in um, Textual Poachers by Henry Jenkins. Which originally came out in 1992. So the edition mm. that I have. Is from 2013. So it's a 20th anniversary edition. And it mm. has like a. So you know they, they have like an interview. And like a foreword that kind mm-hmm. of. Talks about how fandom has changed since. But you know. It, and they are talking about how. Once the internet entered the picture everything changed so rapidly like we can't right. keep up so of course it feels like it was a thousand years ago
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely um you
1: have a great quote in here do you want to talk about it a little bit uh do you want me to just quote it do you want me to like yeah because yeah. it's great <laughs> Yeah, uh, so this came from uh, my, I was uh, I was to say my namesake, she's not my namesake. I have a <laughs> book by this scholar called Carola Katarina Bauer called Naughty Girls and Gay uh, Romance Slash Porn, which came out in 2012, <laughs> um, where she writes, if writing are categorized as fan fiction solely on the basis of, of their intertextual references, wait, I can't see the full quote. I have to point screen. <laughs> if writings are categorized as fan fiction solely on the basis of their intertextual references to another text, one might as well argue that the ge- genre originated seven millennia ago. So she right. then uses the play *Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead* from 1967 as an example, because the main characters are actually from Shakespeare's *Hamlet*, but the characters die in the original text, and then they just basically were revived. For this, you yeah. play that is fan fiction essentially, yeah. it's I always actually, been there.
0: I actually got to read that for my literature show. And oh, fun. yeah, it's a great book. I think you'd really like it. Um, there are so many works of modern, especially American fiction or Western fiction, that are essentially fan fiction. It's yeah, Wide Cigar So Sea, which gives a backstory to uh, Mr. Rochester and his wife from Jane Eyre. It's Grendel, which gives a backstory to Grendel and his mother from Mm. Beowulf. Also, one of the books that I loved the most when I was in high school, it is not a cry for help. (laughs) Okay. I loved Grendel so much when I was in high school because it's basically just this monster who is, like, just having, like, this giant angst fest. Like, why was (laughs) I born? What am I doing here? I hate everyone.
1: I I can see how that would be.
0: I'm very proud for you. And I have my original like high school annotated copy. And I was just like, wow, no one listened to me. Because, <laughs> you know, know, especially like parents, like such like our generation of parents love to be like, I just don't know what's wrong with them. They don't express themselves <laughs> or anything. And it's like me wearing all black all the time. Openly saying, like, why was I born? Yeah, it was such a mystery.
1: It's like, what what, what expression do you want? What right,
0: language like, do you want this in? Right, like, am I speaking Dutch and everyone else isn't? Like, I was very openly expressing myself. Um, uh. <laughs> so let's do a little bit of definition of what Western fandom spaces mean.
1: Yeah. Because
0: for the sake of this episode especially we are going to say that, of course, anime and manga originated in Japan. I am not going to sit here and have the conversation about what that means for animation that comes out of China or Korea or anything like that. For the sake of this episode, if it comes out of Japan, it's anime and manga. And while I know that the Chinese, Thai, Korean, and Filipino stuff all has a name, We're not addressing that today.
1: No. And even if those, say, the Asian medias or whatever, Mm -hmm. or even European media, right, Mm -hmm. has... uh, Actually, European is Western. Never mind, I'm an idiot. No, but the the non-Western, like even if non-Western media has a Western fandom, that is not what we're talking about. Exactly. Um,
0: When I say the West, I mean what most people consider to be the global West, which includes the U.S., Canada, England. Um, You might be thinking, hey, this feels very, like, Eurocentric. Yeah, that's the point. Um, You might notice that there's definitely, like, a quote-unquote bias to, like, the U.K. and the U.S. Yeah, that's kind of part
1: of the discussion. And that's kind of what, yeah, that bias is real. Yes, even if we are talking like, I mean, in more recent years, you know, look at the popularity of things that came out of say, you know, say young royals. I love to bring up young royals because it destroys my Mm -hmm. soul and it's Swedish. But for the majority of of this discussion, it has been English language media that has been the focal point. So, of course, we're going to be focusing a lot on the US and the UK. Yes,
0: and I'm fully here to acknowledge there are some very problematic elements to that. That when we talk about the West, it is this overwhelmingly English language. White. (laughs) Blight?
1: (laughs) No, I said white. English language, white. Yes. Yeah.
0: All of that is there. We are not ignoring any of that, and we'll probably talk about that more in the live. Mm. But please know that we are not ignoring the very classist argument that comes with that, the very obvious racial connotation that comes with that. And we're not also going to talk about the Hollywood system because, as you can hear, I'm dying. So we don't have (laughs) have time for that.
1: We have to do do all of those things in the live when Amanda's voice is back to normal. Yes, when I'm healthy again in two weeks. (laughs) We'll talk about all of that. But for the sake
0: of today put a pin in that we're gonna get back to it when i don't sound like yuki eri after having a dinner of cigarettes
1: <laughs> you you say that and then you just turn me into this giggling fangirl like like that is a problem like what what do you mean is that supposed to be a negative trait i don't understand
0: what does he eat corolla
1: cigarettes and shuichi shindo and strawberry shortcake and it is a very nice and balanced diet.
0: Boy needs one of those vitamin hey. D amps and a multivitamin.
1: First gravitation reference of the new year. <laughs> Let's go.
0: We're 17 minutes in. First gravitation <laughs> reference of the new year.
1: Actually, you mentioned him very early on in your introduction. So
0: I did. I did. You barely okay. made
1: it a minute in.
0: Okay, listen, we have to... That's what, that's what the show is founded on. <laughs> now,
1: Western properties
0: have had ships alongside their Eastern media counterparts. What is interesting is that many Western fans like to act like they don't do shipping in their respective properties. I have always found this super interesting, and I've mentioned this multiple times across the last season of the show, is, like, I'm really, really into, like, comics. Hmm. And a lot of especially, like, comics girlies... Like to pretend like they don't do shipping, but it's like when you make Selena Kyle Bruce Wayne fan cams, that is shipping.
1: This is a language that I don't understand. Do you care to explain what you just said? A fan cam? A Selena? What? Who is Selena Kyle? Catwoman. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yes.
0: Catwoman. (laughs) So sorry. sorry, I used her Muggle name. Forgive me,
1: but you know it's it's okay. This is again, you are the backbone of this entire episode because I know nothing. Um, but yes,
0: but especially with the queer shipping part of it, that has also always been there. And I am going to bring up a point that um, we mentioned earlier that. Literally everything has fanfic in, yeah. know, when it comes to West, the Western properties. Uh, and this isn't even stuff that's fiction. Literally everything has fanfic. I talked about wrestling fanfic,
1: which blows my mind. I mean, as someone who is certified rotten... I can see where they would get it. Oh, I totally
0: get it. There's
1: there's no part
0: of me that is confused. I'm just (laughs) shocked. I watch a lot of wrestling. There's no part of me that doesn't understand. But good lord. (laughs) Speaking of, um, over the break, I watched this movie called The Iron Claw which is about this family of wrestlers from Texas called the Von Ericks. And they're one of the most notorious families in wrestling, mostly because all of the Von Erick brothers died horribly. Oh, There's one remaining Von Eric left, and he's just tired and sad and alone, and he doesn't wrestle anymore.
1: So, so they're like the Kennedys of wrestling?
0: Yeah, literally.
1: Okay, wow.
0: Uh, but the marketing of this movie was very up and down, because most people don't know about the Von Ericks, Because a lot of them died in, like, the 80s and stuff. So, the marketing of the movie greatly waffled between this is a sad, sad character study movie and this is fucking Rocky 45. (laughs) And I feel so bad for everyone who went into this movie thinking that this was going to be Oh, yeah, it's going to be like Rocky, fun wrestling movie. Everyone's going to turn out great. I cried so much during oh that movie. God. I cried so much. Um, but wrestling has a lot of fanfic. Reality TV shows have a lot of fanfic. Um, competition shows have some fanfic, which I think is very, very
1: interesting. Chopped fanfic exists. I'm sure it does. I have. I suddenly have this urge to just like the first. The first thing that popped in my head is, should I go on AO3 and see if no. there's like great British Bake Off <laughs> fanfic? Because I'm sure there is. Hold on. Oh my god.
0: I'm doing it. Hold on. <laughs> I'm gonna find out because you've told you've said it, and I'm sure it's there.
1: Why? Because that's Why how. I don't even watch Great British Bake Off. I don't know. That was like the most Western competition show I could think of. Apparently. There are
0: 904 pieces of fan fiction related to the Great British Bake Off.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: Uh, most of it is in the form of titles. Uh, it's probably but- a lot
1: of like AUs, maybe?
0: 191.
1: That are like original? Yes. Oh, my God. Well, there you go. There's fanfic for everything.
0: The second one is a
1: (sighs) (laughs) What did I do? (laughs) What?
0: Okay. I'm just going to read this off. In the tent. Great British Bake Off. Real person fanfic. Paul Hollywood. Tamil Ray. Andrew Smith. David Arrington, Glenn Cosby, Noel Fielding, Matt Lucas, Prue Leaf, original male characters, original male characters of color, original female characters, original trans characters, inspired by the Great British Bake Off, orgy, fucking, face fucking, rimming, felching, fisting, British character, trans male character, black character characters, Indian character, Latino character, Scottish character, Welsh character.
1: And those tags, uh, ladies, bros, and non-binary hoes, is why we are demonetized. Because this did is the kind of stuff you... we read? I... Yes, I did!
0: I did! And I'm mad at you for it.
1: <laughs> no, you're not.
0: Yes, I am. <laughs> this little judgmental envy nindo right No!
1: Here. Wait, He's... when did you get envy? He was actually a Christmas present. <gasps> oh my
0: god. He's actually a Christmas present.
1: I love present. him. Here.
0: Come here, you little
1: bitch. Oh my god, look at him. Oh he if you're actually, if you're audio only, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, he was actually
0: a Christmas present. Get in there. Next to Mustang. That's where you belong. Oh. So we just the Great British Bake Off, one of the most wholesome shows when it's not being overtly racist, um, has multiple works of fan fiction. Some of it being very erotic. Of course. Uh, but let's talk about what makes what shipping in western fan spaces a little bit different and what makes it the same. We're going to start with the differences where some of the shipping conventions and languages in the language used are different. So there's a lot more use of slash. Mm. Um, I know in a lot of Eastern spaces we use more X.
1: Yeah, I use the X because you know I come Mm -hmm. from the Eastern fandom spaces or Eastern media. But there
0: was a lot more slash
1: especially in early days. Um, Yeah, and I think I think yes. even now, or maybe it's just as oldies, but I feel like even now we separate <coughs> between slash fiction and other gay fan fiction. I feel like there's a there's a difference there. yeah.
0: I also feel like slash has a bit of like a con like a quality connotation to it that slash for whatever reason was always perceived as like mostly crack or not as good,
1: really? Yeah, hmm. I mean, I've been reading academic texts on this all day, and it's... I mean, that might also just be, like, for my early Quizilla (laughs) days. Yeah, no, I get it, because in my head, it's, like, Slash equals boring, because it was all characters I didn't care about. So, connotations, definitely.
0: Yeah, it definitely had, like, a bit of, like, a quality connotation to it back in the day. Mm. Um, I can't speak to it now, because I barely see Slash really being used. Um. Top and bottom discourse, you have a note in here, and let's talk about that.
1: Oh, God, yes. I mean, I did put it in there for a reason, I just don't want to talk about it. (laughs) So, the West has its very
0: own issues when it comes to the, essentially, gender politics of being a top and a bottom. We talked Mm -hmm. about this at length in the Uke episode, which was a few years ago now. Mm Wow. Of Right, time sure does keep on passing. I hate it. I also kind of hate it. But back then I wasn't sick. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Listen. for you to be the one suffering with a stuffy nose and runny nose for once is like... I'm literally
0: the most, like, 90s semi. I hate being sick. I don't know how to take care of myself. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm just wandering around my apartment in blankets wailing like a cat like someone help me like i am fully hyper competent every other moment of my life but the minute i have like a 99 degree temperature which i think is like 30 something in celsius a low-grade fever it's like okay. mother <laughs> mother fetch me my bed clothes <laughs> Oh, you turn into that
1: Victorian child. Again. I do. Uh, the candle it burns too bright. Help! <laughs> oh my God, the consumption yeah. it has. Mother. come. <laughs> the angels they're coming for me. Oh my God! I'm I do. Yours. I do feel you though, because I rarely get like really sick, but I did get the like the flu of my life in January of two thousand seven. Uh And it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. I was just I was carried to bed on a Sunday evening because I was feeling a little like exhausted and I woke up and I couldn't leave my bed for five days and it was awful. And I was so mad because every time I tried to lift my head, the world just tilted. So I couldn't do anything. I just lay there waiting to die. I don't recommend it.
0: I don't recommend it. (laughs) But needless to say we have our own top-bottom discourse that is very, very Mm. much influenced by the West's own internalized misogyny and homophobia that comes with the top-bottom discourse. And we import a lot of that into our fiction, where we do have these incredibly feminized submissives, but they're feminized in a way that is more, like, emotionally helpless than physically helpless. Mm. Like, you know, if you can look at Yowie and BL and be like, a lot of UKs feel very much like women in every aspect of the term. Especially when you're talking about, like, you know, the golden era. Like, really, like, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. In Western spaces, we do we do find that submissives don't usually look like we would assume... A standard UK to look. But they'll still act. Like how a standard UK acts. Mm. Which is usually very. Very interesting. Because that's usually. Very OOC. Out of character. Uh, so it's almost like. Pushing a gender role onto someone. And it's interesting. It's interesting to see like the leaps in logic. Yeah. That western fangirls in those queer shipping spaces we'll have to take and fanboys, of course, we don't want to discriminate. Um,
1: yeah. And I, it, like, I'm also just thinking about like the way we talk about it, because I mean, yes. I may be completely off here because as I realize, I know nothing about slash fiction. Cause I never really read it. That, you know, I have always operated in the Eastern centric fan spaces where, you know, mm-hmm. the character whose name is first in the ship name or before mm-hmm. the X is the top or the or the semi, if you will, and mm-hmm. the, the name that comes after it is the bottom. And so I just always assumed that that was how it worked. But then I realized that in Slash Fiction, it seemed that it didn't necessarily matter whose name was first was that's how I perceived it. And then mm-hmm. now I am seeing that younger people on the internet don't know this discourse. Like, because I'm seeing on AO3, like there's one tag mm-hmm. and then it says who is the top or who is the bottom in a separate tag because the pairing just has one dynamic, it seems like. So,
0: yeah, well, I can give you a great example. And of course, we said that we're going to talk about a lot, which is supernatural. <laughs>
1: Which uh, mentioned, by the way, in textual poachers. Ooh,
0: but uh, Dusty L, Dean Winchester, and Castiel. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Dusty L fix are not Dean as top. Really? Yeah.
1: Because in my head, exactly. That is. That is. Dean I mean, tops.
0: Obvious.
1: To but me. a lot
0: of Dusty L huh. is not Dean topping. Interesting. Right. So it takes something that probably was set up to be this way, where I think there was like a fandom shift, especially as Dean and Cass's relationship changed. Mm. Uh, where definitely Dean kind of had to top because Cass was this like holy baked potato.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And didn't understand anything. And then they started watching porn together in the Christian daylight. Which is something that two hetero bros do all the time.
1: I just, you know, I, I can hear the Puritans screaming in the distance of how problematic and grooming that sounds, but let's He's not go there.
0: A literal angel. Yeah. Like a thousand
1: years. Grooming who? Well, that what? is the question, isn't it? Wait, is hold it, on. The, Who's is it the age gap or is it the innocence that is the problem here? I have a lot of questions. I. Uh, I don't want... I Actually, I don't want to know.
0: Yeah, I don't want any of those questions answered. Um, Where originally it did have to be Dean kind of leading the ship because Cass Mm -hmm. just didn't know. And then a more recent trend has been Cass being on top. Mm -hmm. Which is fascinating.
1: But yeah, but I think it's so interesting when you talk about it like this because depending on which corner of fandom you come from, Mm -hmm. these things have very different meanings and connotations because I've just... You know, I've just applied my natural logic to it, which is, okay, that means Dean's tops. Dean's right. tops. But no. He doesn't always is, talk. Apparently not. So <laughs> that is interesting.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, listen, I love my brothers and sisters in Western uh, fan spaces, but this is some vibes-based shipping. <laughs> when we talk about Delighten the... me. When we talk about the fans, that will put any two characters together just purely based on feeling. While anime and manga fans get a lot of that brunt, we have to give credit to the fact that Western uh, fans have been doing this forever. Again, we're going to lean back on our, like, sci-fi comics lore here. Where it's like, these two characters were in a scene together. They're fucking. I like the way these two characters look. They're fucking.
1: (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm, I am also guilty of this in in different. I didn't say I wasn't guilty. Now, but yeah, maybe you're right. Like again, I can't really speak to it because this is so out of my league. Like I have no, I don't know any of these. Families. Well, and I mentioned
0: <laughs> this one in an earlier episode, but like there is a comic panel that's about Green Lantern, and he mentions like visiting, like so. It's the Flash and Green Lantern. And The Flash is talking to Hal Jordan Green Lantern and is like, hey, we probably need to get John Constantine involved because this shit that we're dealing with involves magic and Constantine's like the magic guy. And Hal is like, I don't want to deal with that nut job. Brit, every time you visit him, you lose like three hours and you come back reeking of cigarette smoke and feeling a vague right. sense of regret. Okay, cool. So we know that John Constantine is a canon disaster bisexual. Sounds about right. And there is no reason why I love him so much. Don't ask questions. (laughs) Um, And now you've set up this thing that fans love where it's like, oh, something happened. Mm. Because that's not a throwaway. You're not going to gaslight us into thinking that that's a throwaway. So that's a very vibes based ship that became very popular, all based off of a line. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say vibes based, that's not a negative. No, vibes are, are great times. So that is also one thing that I've definitely noticed is that it's very, very vibes based. Why
1: can't I hear you? Why can't you hear me? Oh, okay, I can hear you again now. Oh, please, it's oh, okay. not doing that thing again. I, I hope not. Die. Um,
0: One thing I've also noticed a lot Is There's more willingness to gender bend And to be OOC to make things happen Hmm Yeah So I've noticed a lot of gender bending In these western spaces To like make things gay Which I think is fascinating So
1: like turning Female, char- female or non male characters male, yes,
0: gay, huh? Yes, and I'm amazed by that. <laughs> it's like okay,
1: I mean, fascinating because you know it's not like there isn't an abundance of male characters out there,
0: right? Which- yeah, it's really really interesting to watch in some places where it's like, oh, just let. There, there are men over there, but you want this ship dynamic, but with two men.
1: But I can understand that, though, because clearly I have reached a level where everything mm-hmm. is gay. And right. I cannot be invested in headships for right. a multitude of reasons. I mean, there are straights everywhere, and they are never okay, and I'm very tired. And a lot of the time, I find myself watching something, and I'm right. like... These people are terrible for each other, but I do know that if they were both male, I would be more invested. But I'm not because it's—I don't know—but maybe it's just because I am rotten and heterosexuality mm-hmm. is doomed. Heter—what what is that word? Heterofatality. Yes. Yeah. So
0: here's one that I actually came across. Um, it's actually a pairing that is les- that would be lesbian if it was canon. It's a Shigo and Kim Possible. But a lot of artists will draw them as two men. Huh. And it's like, well, hold on now. That's a lesbian power couple if I've ever seen one. (laughs) What is the appeal in making them both men? Interesting. Do you just want the vibes, which are the looks? And then where do you draw the line of how much changes versus how much stays the same? Because at a certain point, if you're just lopping off tits... A man that does not make. No, this is true. Like, so what's you get into like this like ship of theseus question with gender where it's like, okay, well, why was that decision made? And Mm. like, none of that is said in shade to any of those authors or artists. It's genuinely just a question of like, okay, well, what was gained by doing that? Why is this pairing now more palatable to you? That they're men, but really nothing would change.
1: Yes. No, no, I was just, I was trying to make sense. Like, I think that, I mean, that my natural thought, apart from, you know, sure, it's a vibe and you just talked about the vibes and I get it. But my my first, like, like my instant thought is that it goes back to the whole, um, equality or lack of equality between the genders, and right. male characters having more agency and having more, uh, con- like b- basically just having more content and context and all of those things, and 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 that male mm-hmm. characters are more interesting, and like just carrying that over. But if you're if it is about the dynamic between the characters in the first place, there should be no reason to change their gender, other than you think it would be hot if they were two guys, which valid. I mean, we're not invalidating that opinion. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of, because I get it. Cause yeah. yeah. Sometimes people draw a gender bend. I hadn't thought about And then I'm like, yes, I enjoy this actually.
0: Yeah. Same. I'm like, Oh shit. I, was- I didn't know that was an option. Let's go. <laughs> um, and we mentioned this at the start, but also making characters a little OOC or out of character to make things happen again My beloved Destiel Sometimes you have to make Dean Winchester The most bottomy pillow princess In the entire world <laughs> And it's like this is a man Who literally Like hunts demons and ghosts Well, he
1: can't be both
0: I mean he can It feels wrong sometimes <laughs> I can't speak to what Dean Winchester Would be like in bed Outside of all of his girlfriends hate him
1: that sounds. Um, maybe he is a pillow princess then, because maybe he only he cares is. about his own pleasure. I, I don't that, know. Actually, that checks out. You just solved it. Congratulations! I solved it. There you Yay. go. There you have
0: it. <laughs> we solved it together. But sometimes you do have to make these characters really, really OOC, and that gets again something that we talked about last season. That gets a little bit interesting when we're writing fan fiction. About people that are real human beings. Even when they're playing characters. Especially when they're not playing characters. So I saw that Great British Bake Off tag up. Why? (laughs) I just haven't closed it out. And one of the options. There's another one shot. that has Viva La Bam. Like Bam. Bam Margera. Okay. I didn't know there was a Viva La Bam tag.
1: Well, you know, I don't want to know what's in it. I, I used have- to
0: love Viva La Bam when I was in high school. Again, totally well adjusted, no problems here. So,
1: I have never watched Viva La Bam because I have so much uh, legitimate trauma from watching Jackass and he was on Jackass. I and I
0: loved Bam Margera. Oh, I didn't man. care how greasy he was. <laughs> I thought he was sexy. <laughs> and I regret some of the decisions that I made when I was younger Because I Historically had bad taste in men
1: Well um, and now you have a whole new fanfic tag to explore Congratulations
0: I clicked on the Viva La Bam real, real person <laughs>
1: <thing>. Why? <What? laughs>
0: and I've made a mistake
1: Oh my god
0: This is Ryan Dunn ex-Johnny Knoxville Ex-Bam Margera Published in two th- in 2023, Ryan Dunn's dead.
1: Oh my god, okay.
0: One of the tags is BAM is so baby girl coded. Did you just click on it? I didn't click on the full thing, no. Okay, because
1: I there's heard it 100- click out, you know. No, that was
0: Discord. Jesus. No, there's 175 pieces of fiction... In the Viva RPF RVF tag.
1: The more you know. But I mean, it's like you said. There's fanfic of everything. I don't know why I'm surprised. It's just...
0: And what's shocking is, is that while some of it is OC-driven... Especially because this is AO3, it's not. Now, what we did see a lot in the old days was gender-bending yourself to make Mm a pairing gay, which I did a lot. I have tons of male OCs because I wasn't working through gender angst at all when I was in high school. No, 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 no. I was totally cisgender and not at all bisexual. I was very, very straight, (laughs) and can I help you?
1: No, I'm, I'm fine.
0: Nasty cough you have over there. Yeah, I know. Discussing how straight I was
1: and how cisgender I was during high school. That was a very legitimate cough. I am actually also. (laughs) But
0: while a lot of this isn't OC driven, back in the day, a lot of this would have been. Mm. And I think also that's probably where a lot of the taking things OC happens is when you're especially writing OC slash fic that you do have to make things out of character because otherwise you have to invent a reason why these people, especially these real people would care about you. It is much easier to do that in a fictional space where it's like, Oh, I can create an OC that happens to be one of these characters, other friends that maybe you don't meet in the original story, but okay, sure. Yeah. It's plausible that in, you know, these years that aren't as well written about that, they had a friend or a cousin or a, Sibling or whatever hmm. that appears, you can't do that for a real human person.
1: I mean, you you can you can you just fan works <laughs> do exist, but I think it's interesting because one of the chapters I read um, in Textual Poachers is is the chapter that is about reading and writing fan works in general. So yes. this is you know the general and in the introductory paragraph, someone I can't remember who is quoted here, but describes fan works or like describes the media or the um, the objects of Mm -hmm. the fan work as silly putty because you can Mm -hmm. shape it to your desire right and that Mm -hmm. is essentially what you're doing and if you have to turn them ooc or gender bend them to do so Mm -hmm. then you do it in order for that fanfic or whatever to work
0: right absolutely and there's nothing wrong with that like by no means again like are we making any negative value judgments here? It's just a part of the thing.
1: Yeah. Um Wow, zines. Yeah. they're our back. They are. I used to think that fanzines was something that was I mean this says a little bit about my back- background, but strictly uh reg- in regards to punk music and yeah. passed around Europe. That's how I know fan scenes. And then I realized that people used to make scenes about everything, including Star Trek and yes. Star Wars and yes. whatever. Apparently, one of the things that I have been reading a lot about in this uh, in this book that keeps coming up, I cannot not remember what it was called. There is this one sci-fi show that they keep mentioning that I had never heard about, That now I realize. Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> No, it's not Battlestar Galactica. It has a 7 in it. Wait. Let me check. Because I have it here. It's the first red note. Blake 7! Huh? I've never heard of this until I started reading this book. Yeah, I've never heard of this either. And I know what Red Dwarf is. I know nothing. But yeah, Blake 7 was apparently a huge deal in Western fan spaces.
0: Well, damn. But yeah, we've definitely seen this resurgence of zines, short for magazine, for the kids that don't know what a magazine is. Mm. Um, so my understanding of zines comes from like the literature feminist side. Oh yeah, yeah, that too. Like the very like, Lilith Fair kind of like mm-hmm. zine where it's like, here's a bunch of women who kind of hate men writing some poetry,
1: but also some of them make good points, so don't ignore the whole thing. <laughs> but i think i just think it's so interesting because this seems to have been such a you know because they were self-funded and self-published yes. and driven by you know the same people who read them contributed to keep them going and to fund yes. their own habits right and i think it's so interesting to see that coming back now as almost like i, th- I feel like it's almost like a western counterpart to the dojan scene but yes. it's much more because a zine is a collection of several artists and writers and different like different plots or prompts or whatever whereas a dojin typically has you know it's one story
0: absolutely and yeah you can definitely see it as kind of this response to dojins and i went through a phase where i really really loved zines especially because it lets you support like one thing Mm. It's like, hey, here's this one character that you like or this one concept that you like. Here's a bunch of stuff around it. And for some of the zines that I supported, the merch was great. Everything was great around them. Um, I kind of stopped just because one, physical space. I ran out of it really, really fast. And two, a lot of the zines, especially the Western American driven ones, didn't have a lot of drama. Or like sometimes the artists don't always get paid what they should. And there's, like, really, really bad delays that aren't communicated well. Which no one cares about delays. What they care about is communication.
1: Mm.
0: So I kind of stopped supporting zines just as I started, like, running out of physical space. But, yeah, these zines were a great place to, especially if you did like a Western, a Western property ship, especially. But there were entire zines that were dedicated to, like, your Battlestar Galacticas, your Doctor Who's, your Supernatural's. We're not going somewhere with this at all. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere. No, this is a total dead end. And we're not going to mention the very obvious thing that I mean, we've been talking about for years.
1: Dead end is a fun uh, expression. Uh, <laughs> Amanda's not
0: dying. Everything is fine. Please so- hang in there. What are some things that are exactly the fucking same?
1: Oh, so many.
0: Uh, many of the tropes are the exact same. Yeah. You listed formula plus utopia. Do you want to yeah. talk about that? Yeah,
1: okay. Because as I was reading, again, this has been a very educational week for me as I it have has. Been plowing through these tomes. Um, because, as we all know, I the like my expertise in air quotes is in BL history. Mm -hmm. and so much of what i've been reading up on on slash fandom history is exactly the same Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: it comes from um you know it comes from a similar place of you know obviously several things it's not only and there's a point about that later about you know the sexualities and the patriarchy and all of those Mm -hmm. things but you know the same when you talk about the tropes for instance we see that a lot of it is formulaic right so you have your first times and you have your they didn't call them AU's, but like a use essentially taking taking mm-hmm. a ship or taking characters out of your you know the, the, their setting and putting them in for instance a historical setting yeah and post canon fix it and there yes. was this there was this a series that was continuously referred to in one of these chapters that was called Beauty and the Beast, which apparently, not the Disney movie, um, but there was this this sci-fi show called Beauty and the Beast, which by the third season disappointed the fans so much that they just rejected the third season and then the fandom got together and wrote their own. Sounds familiar? Does this sound familiar to you? We're not going somewhere with this at all. I was reading this I was like, what the hell? Is this? I'm, history is a cycle. And, yeah. and and so, so many of these tropes, right? And these formulas that we find in so many fan works, but also mm-hmm. the utopian. And of course there are dystopias because everyone loves a good dystopia and hurt, comfort and ice and all that. Yes. But the utopia of, you know, delving into via the homosocial relationships to the homoerotic and then the whole... Everyone is gay and everything is great. That's utopia.
0: I don't know why homosocial makes me laugh so much.
1: I love the word "homo." Like, I know it's
0: a thing, <laughs> but I was like... So, in in X-Men, uh, the race of mutants is called homo-superior.
1: Oh. Well, I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm fine. Uh, I mean, so they're you- right.
0: They're right. It's like, you have, like, Magneto... Who clearly doesn't have feelings for Charles Xavier.
1: Wait, I do have Western chips. I just didn't. Okay. Thank you for unlocking that part of my brain. Yes, because marriage. Um, yeah. Go so, on. You have, so
0: you have Magneto, who clearly doesn't have feelings for Charles no. Xavier, None. constantly saying, We are homo superior. And it's even better when you get like into the live action and it's Sir Ian McKellen oh saying God. Homo superior all the time and it's the best thing on earth.
1: That is amazing.
0: Yes. Just caught like like Homo superior constantly. There's um there's a great X Men podcast called Cerebro. It is honestly like the podcast that I dream of being one day. <laughs> I love Cerebro. It's this great like queer host who's amazing. You have
1: to look this one up.
0: You would love Cerebro. Um and they have a bit where they talk about what gay life would be like on the fictional um mutant only island of Krakoa. And they make a joke that Emma Frost's brother Christian Frost should make a gay club called Homo Superior. I would go.
1: I you same.
0: I would go to Homo Tighten Superior. Me yeah. Uh, but to your point, as I continue to unfortunately look at these Viva La Bam fan fictions.
1: <laughs> Please close the tab about I them. will
0: not close the tabs. <laughs> oh you can't God. make me. Um, there is a lot of very, very obvious like tropes that are used in here. Um, we have a lot of like character death, we have triangles, we have a high school AU. We have a band fic because Bam was not an actual band. Hmm. Uh, I'm just. So, here's one thing that isn't in the outline, but I definitely want. But we're definitely going to talk about in the problematic element. Uh, so, I'm just going to hold on to it for a minute. But I'm noticing a trend here, and it's upsetting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Much of the fanfic structure is very, very similar. You know, fanfic is fanfic across most boards. Though Every once in a while, you'll see more script fic. Um, I used to write script fic uh, Hmm. because it was easier for me, especially having severe undiagnosed ADHD. Uh, So every once in a while, you will see some old script fic. I don't know how that would fly modernly. And when I say script fic, I mean, like, writing it out like you would, like, an old, like, yeah, Hollywood like, movie script. Yeah. So you have, like, name, their line, like, a sentence or two for action, mm. another character, usually, like, italics or something for thoughts. Like, it's written out like a like, a TV, yeah. like a TV script.
1: You, but, you know, it's interesting because what, what I do see a lot these days is, you know, like, group chats. Text messages, yeah. it's similar, right? I mean, they don't yes. have the cues, but it, it's the same vibe. And
0: I do, I think that those are interesting,
1: or like ones that are all done through yeah. phone calls.
0: Which, you know, we're old, so.
1: <laughs> I do enjoy a good chaotic group chat if it's written well. I do. I think the
0: biggest thing is, is that sometimes a lot of the chaotic group chats, um, they don't do enough to distinguish which character is typing. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just like, who is saying what?
1: Yeah. No, I think if the, if you know who's talking, I read, I mean, I know we're talking about Western fandom right now, but I just want to point out
0: that. Are you going to talk about Ken Porsche?
1: Yes, because I read this one Ken Porsche fake where I had to put my brain into it a little bit to figure out who was who, because all of their names were puns. Because, you know, their names are basically like objects or like yes. words. So, like, arm was named leg. You know, and Porsche was named Ferrari, and you just had to go through it and, like, okay, who is who, and then enjoy. I'd like, be so was, mad. But it was really fun, though. I I, okay. I see where they came from because they were all naming each other in the group chat, like for fun, and I enjoyed that. Uh, Fan cams and AVs—they still exist. They do still exist. Uh, we
0: also see a lot of thirst for actors and roles. Which I'm here for, especially if it's Matthew Lillard. (laughs) Yes, he has has no business being as hot as he is.
1: Billy and Stu forever. Listen. Please. Oh I do have Western ships. It's all coming back to me now. (laughs) It's like Billy and Stew. So I had a moment, like,
0: when I'm working, I'll usually have, like, a TV show on in the background, because I need noise and stimulation. So, firstly, I was watching old episodes of Law & Order, totally forgot that the actor that plays Big is in, like, early Law & Order. You call him
1: Big? From Sex in the City? Oh, okay, yes, sorry, yeah. No, that's what I thought you said. But, you see, there's a big in my life and I got confused. I'm fine. Yes. You whore. What? No! The big in Porsche. I know who it is. The one with a little... I've yes. met him. I know!
0: <laughs> uh, But I was like, that's big. I was like, I was so distracted. And then there's an episode huh. of House. I love House. House is like my Roman Empire. House and ER. Those are my Roman Empires. Um... Outside of the actual Roman Empire, because I was the classics major. I
1: mean, yes.
0: Um, there's there's an episode of House where it's Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, rest in peace. Lin-Manuel Miranda's in one of those episodes, uh, playing a manic depressive who is like House's underling. Hmm. Um, Jeremy Renner pops up in an episode. meatloaf is in an episode of
1: house is there anything meatloaf doesn't just randomly appear in okay the episode that meatloaf was in was great (laughs)
0: like it was really really it was a good episode it was a fantastic episode um (laughs) i think it was the one where one of the doctors had committed suicide and house is trying to figure out because he thinks that like oh, it's everyone's fault but his. And it's like, no, it's kind of your fault, but also sometimes people commit suicide. Like, that's the thing that happens occasionally. Yeah. Um, and, like, Meatloaf is there with his wife, and, like, they're both dying, and they can't figure out why they're dying. But it turns out that the woman playing Meatloaf's wife had, like, an affair one time. It, like, contracted some, like, weird disease, and now they're both dying. Like, they have to deal with the knowledge that, like, her affair is what's killing them both. House does not get the credit that it deserves except for all the really problematic parts of it. Like, House ramming his car into his ex-girlfriend's house with her new boyfriend and baby inside of it because she broke up with him.
1: Yeah, but, uh, I mean, he goes to jail. There's a lot I didn't know about Dr. House.
0: Please. I love house so much, <laughs> uh, but a lot of the a lot of fan cams and AMVs still exist, and of course, the origins are still the same. Which is, of course, liberating female sexuality. From, this is entirely you. From the <laughs> yes, and- these are my notes. Oops. And challenging the constructed male sexuality. Are we yes. talking about the bottom thing again?
1: Yeah, because when we were talking about it, I put in an, an, a note because. In the same way that it is different, it is yes. also the exact same. Which is yes. again, I was reading, and there was this one person. I, I am terrible at this. I will cite my sources properly somewhere else. Uh, but the, but there was um, someone in textual poachers, I believe, who who basically said the exact same thing that you know you find all the BL scholars saying, which is essentially that slash fiction kind of meets in the middle where it's Mm. like these characters have both male and female traits so in the um in in for instance the shipping of kirk and spock you'll have like kirk has a lot of manly attributes because you know he is a captain and he is this male hero character but then he is also like soft and and vulnerable but then spock is you know larger and he has all of these like masculine traits but then he also has like a cycle because he has that whole mating thing that i don't know what it's called and and so they both inhabit these male and female traits and so in slash as in bl Mm -hmm. you kind of create you transcend the gender borders and create like a new form of you know it's homosexuality but it represents Mm -hmm all genders in all gender roles so absolutely entirely the same as you find in the bl genre and
0: completely and that's such a brilliant point because yeah like especially with like spock and kirk there is a lot of like oh well spock is the manly man because he's very rational doesn't have emotions and kirk who to every like stereotype is a machismo manly man but he's emotional Mm. he has these like really really crazy up and down like mood swings like i can see why especially like you know fan logic trying to fix it that they would bring in and unfortunately again we're going to bring up our favorite topic which is internalized misogyny and homophobia yeah that we bring that old baggage into that conversation Mm. And of course Spock is you know the perfect platonic ideal of a man because he doesn't have these strong emotions and he's ruled by logic and he doesn't feel. Yeah, That's what makes him manly. Okay.
1: Let's see what let's see if I can just find this one quote.
0: Are we quote hunting?
1: I am quote hunting. <laughs> I don't know if I'll actually find it though.
0: Do you want me to move uh, on to the next part?
1: You can move on, and I'll let you know if I find it.
0: <laughs> okay, so are there any problematic elements to this kind of queer shipping in Western fan spaces?
1: Um, no, perfectly unproblematic, obviously, because it's Western. Uh, she said much, dripping with sarcasm.
0: <laughs> yeah, as much as West Westabuse would like to say that, that is not true. Uh, let's talk about... Uh, the incest involving real human brothers
1: and cousins. I am having violent flashbacks to the years of Tokyo Hotel.
0: Uh, so, for those of you that were on um, uh, you might remember all of the fanfic about my chemical romance in Fallout Boy. Some of those bands involving actual family members and many of them having slash fic about those actual family members doing actual kissy things. Now, were both of those bands a little bit gender bendy and a little bit flamboyant? Yeah, sure. But those are human
1: beings who are human related. I mean, I immediately think about Tokyo Hotel because I hated them. Um, Mm -hmm. I will admit, I think I've heard one of their songs. I hated them because you know i was i was in my peak visual k discovery phase and everyone thought i would like tokyo hotel because i like visual k and there was a whole thing and but what i really 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 hated was the fandom because tokyo hotel had two twin brothers who Mm -hmm. were as different as could be one was you know super made up and like skinny jeans and all that and the other one had like dreadlocks and like hip-hop clothes but they were being shipped to high heaven and there was so much fanfic and i remember at some point that they went out and said that this made them incredibly uncomfortable right like please don't do it and i also think they were like 17 when they got started and I also remember really hating the fandom not so much because like the shipping was one thing because again i come from visual k shipping Mm -hmm. real people is hard to avoid in visual k right but they were real life brothers they were teenagers and on top of that bill's fans in particular were incredibly homophobic because they were like they they would ship like people would ship him with their brother but then the antis who were still their fans would scream at their top, at the top of their lungs. Like Bill is not gay. And it's like, but what if he is though? What Mm -hmm. are you going to do? What message are you sending to this kid? If you are defending him by being very, he is not gay. Like that is not helping. anyone. it was a mess. And that is all I can think about whenever this discourse comes up.
0: And we've talked multiple times about how we feel about shipping real people. Um, so we're not going to talk about it as much right now, but there is a subsect of that that kind of sparked something in my brain as I was going through this Viva La Bam tag.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, the Viva La Bam tag.
0: Which is fanficifying, especially people who have died. Hmm. So Ryan Dunn was one of Bam's best friends, and he passed away um, in 2011 he was super young, and he died horribly. I think it was a car accident.
1: Oh yeah, I remember reading about it, but I.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a car accident. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure it was a car wreck. It was a car wreck. So and Bam was gutted after losing Ryan Dunn. Ryan Brun was like Ryan's like a brother to him. Hmm. A lot of these Viva La Bam fix have like Ryan Dunn dying but like a fanfic version of him dying yeah and i don't know how i feel about that or like major character death where like bam overdoses and dies bam mm-hmm. has overdosed so many times and still struggles with substance abuse and like there's one thing to be problematic with fictional characters it's another thing to be that problematic with real human beings.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think so yeah. That- yeah, it's difficult. It's like you know. Again, we're not going to talk about this. We have talked about this, but it's just that it's just. It is different when it's a real person, it like? is. and especially when you are projecting traits and problems, yep. and you know. Overdoses on an actual living person.
0: Yeah.
1: And just. I am thinking about these kids on the internet who are like defending tooth and nail these fictional characters, like these drawings on a piece of paper. Right. And then I'm like, but then pro- I'm not saying that the same people are doing it, but then, you know, projecting something onto a real life person. Like, okay, if you can imagine. I. I feel objectified when you objectify Deku. Okay, but imagine being the person who's being cast in a fanfic on Ao3, but you you actually exist in real life, and right. someone wrote about your life. Like that is, it's. It reminds me of that. I think it's on Graham Norton. He had on uh, James McAvoy. And yes. a runner, and you know, and they were they were talking about fanfic and fan art, and it was originally Magneto <laughs> and Professor X, mm-hmm. but some of it bleeds over into them. Yes, and it's like they are standing there discussing how this person drew them as baking cookies in a very prim- promiscuous positioning. It's like it right. is so bizarre. <laughs> And there are some
0: actors that love it. Like, we've talked about how Mads Mikkelsen loves it. We've talked about, you know, how, like, Matthew Lillard has really accepted, like, being, like, the internet's, like, next daddy. How Pedro Pascal ran with it. But not every... One, those actors are the exception and not the rule. And two just because some actors do it mm. does not mean that every actor can do it. We talk about it every episode, Yeah, like Misha Collins and Jensen Ackles. Misha Collins is probably one of the biggest Destiel shippers that has ever destiel yelled. Yeah. Jensen isn't.
1: And it's like, I think, and you know, it comes down to basic respect, like, because when it comes to fan works of actual fictional content, that right. is slightly different. Obviously, you're going to have, like, copyright, and there's always going to be some you know some author or Mm -hmm. conglomeration out there who's going to be like please you know we don't want you to profit off of this or post this but right but if a person goes out and says hey this makes me uncomfortable (laughs) don't depict me in these situations or don't write this stuff about me you should respect that because they are an actual human being like
0: and again we're not foul policing i'm not calling any of these creators in this bam margera tag And this Viva La Bam tag that I closed. I did close it. Okay. Um, Bad people. I'm not making, like, value moral judgments. I just think, like, that's something that we don't talk about enough, especially when we come to these Western properties. Because a lot of them are very, like, person or actor driven. Yeah. So, like, yeah, when you're talking about doing any kind of shipping in a lot of these properties, like while it's easy to say that you have multiple versions of some of these characters in your head, it's probably a real human actor you have in mind. Hmm. And because of that, the ethics of that shipping is always going to be a little bit interesting. It's like we mentioned that when we are talking about like Magneto and Charles Xavier. Well, yes, there's decades of comic book versions of Charles and Magneto I would be a fucking liar if I didn't say that I'm not imagining either Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart, mm. or Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy.
1: Yeah, because those are they are inherently tied to the characters. They're right. the popularized versions of the characters. Right. And and again, like you know, the the ick level is different for everyone. Yes. For me, it's like I feel like I'm able to separate the characters and the actors. Like if you tell me that this is a fan art of Xavier and Magneto, mm-hmm. then I then yes, that it that's what it is, even if they're yes. not in their uniforms or whatever. But if you yes. tell me that yes. it's Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy, I'm gonna be like, Okay, now I'm slightly more uncomfortable.
0: Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because there is almost like this like sliding scale of what like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's easier for me to, quote-unquote, sexualize the younger version of them. But, like, the idea of, like, overshipping, like, Sir Ian McKellen and Sir Patrick Stewart just, like, feels disrespectful. But also, I think, of like, as of their place in canon, they are clearly divorced, which is why they have so much angst.
1: Yeah, I do love that angst.
0: No, I love it, but, like, they clearly were married, things went wrong. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: And now they're just old, bitter, and, like, hanging out with their respect. Right, like... (laughs) Now there's like both old and bitter and hanging out with like their like respective new gangs.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And it's like, oh yeah. Of of young of young people and
1: beautiful women. Even though they're both very gay, it's like, look at me and my beautiful (laughs) trophy woman over here that I am not interested in. I don't know how
0: they managed to make Magneto, who is one of the biggest horn dogs in like (laughs) in like Marvel comics into one of the gayest men I've ever seen. Because, I... like, he fucks the hell out of most women that he sees. And he has, like, so many kids. He does. But the idea of, like, that old X-Men Magneto even, like, looking at Mystique with anything but, like, gay smugness...
1: No, I think it's one of those compete over-achieving things, you know? Oh. He was like, I have already been to one concentration camp i have to prove that i i am also a, a mutant i have to prove that i am as normal as i can be let's have sex with all these women and sire some children that will convince them and then by the time he's in his divorce era i mean
0: he's just hanging around with twinks and partying yeah. in superior
1: I support that, honestly. No, like, I love you, that for, for him. him. <laughs>
0: uh, let's talk about one of our least favorite favorite things, which is parasocial. No. <laughs> which is parasocial relationship hell. <sighs> Listen, the internet has made every actor, voice actor, and celebrity an at-away. That does not mean that you should.
1: No. And you know what comes <laughs> to mind, and I do think we briefly mentioned this somewhere else. Yes. In last season. Because this it goes for all of it. The mm-hmm. real people harassing human actors and celebrities, celebrities and mm-hmm. parasocial uh, relationship. Hell, Dan and Phil. Here we are again. We you, you talk about Dan and Phil all the time. Yeah, because but it just comes back to me because they are all of the above. You know, yes. harassed outed or attempted outed and we deserve this because we are your loyal fans and we support you no matter what and why can't you don't you see all this fanfic i've written about you don't you understand Mm. that we just deserve to know what's happening between you no right don't
0: actually right you actually i don't owe you anything you don't deserve that uh the parasocial relationships One, they've always been there. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've heard us tell, like, old... especially me, because I know it's different over there. But, like, (laughs) old con stories of, like, voice actor meetups Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, There's one that I'll never forget. And it was J. Michael Tatum, who is the English voice actor for Sebastian in Black Butler. And he also did um, France and Axis Powers Italia. Mm -hmm. And he was telling this story... And he was, like, a fangirl came up to him and, like, put her arm, like, on his shoulder and, like, brought him down to her level. And, like, whispered in his ear, like, don't fuck this up.
1: Like, a threat? Or, like, as a reference to
0: frauds? As a reference to one of the voice roles, I honestly don't remember because it was over a decade ago.
1: Okay. But it was, like,
0: but it's, like, one, the audacity and the nerve. Mm Mm-hmm. The audacity and the nerve. Two, he's a human person. No, apparently, no. Like, because- these people aren't meat. They don't exist for our pleasure. Yeah. Um, so, and the internet's only really made that easier. It's been only easier yeah. to, um, attack actors and creators when really the anger is on corporations. Mm-hmm. Um, to talk about one that does get a lot of queer ships, especially now, Star Wars. A lot of people put their frustration at Star Wars on the actors, especially, yeah. especially, uh, oh my God, it's Daisy Ridley, yeah, right? Yeah, yes. Especially Daisy Ridley. And especially a lot of the queer shippers did, because Mm. everyone was convinced that, like, Poe and Finn were going to be Endgame, and then Rose Tico shows up. And, oh my god, everyone was so mean, not just to Daisy Ridley, but, uh, what was her name? Uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were so mean to her that she, like, left the internet. Yeah. And yes, there was a group of fanboy that was racist and just sexist, but there was also a lot of people who saw her as an impediment to the Poe Finn endgame. So that's one of the biggest things that makes kind of this discourse difficult, is that especially in these bigger properties, a lot of these fans tend to hide in these waves. Yeah. They hide in the overwhelming waves of, oh, we're going to attack you know, this fucking actress because we don't like how this series ended. So they can almost mask that they've been just as terrible. And it's really sad. It's really frustrating. And it's something that, you know, it's hard to do when you have fictional characters, though again not impossible. You know, I just the 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 audacity, just the straight audacity. Yeah, no,
1: honestly um because of course you know blame the actor playing a right. role for a decision that was made by the corporation and the people writing the script okay right exactly
0: like it's it's absolutely like kelly marie tran and daisy ridley got together like in a in a, in a dark room <laughs>
1: They met in their trailer. like met in their trailer. On the back lot, and they just plotted against the Star Wars. You individually. Yeah. They had
0: your name written on it.
1: Oh, yeah. That is
0: exactly how it works. It had to ruin Star Wars. It was them. Yes. No. Disclaimer. It was not them. Please. It was not them. Please. Uh, Here's the last one Uh... that I think is the most frustrating, is seeing Western fan spaces as superior to eastern ones.
1: Mm. And the hypocrisy if you yes. see the parenthesis because while we are have a tendency of seeing western fan spaces as superior to the deranged and weird and problematic east fan cultures in and of themselves are also considered <laughs> inferior to normal media or normal <laughs> literature. So We already have, you know, the disadvantage of being, you know, disenfranchised as, oh, these weird, you know, when we grew up, like everyone who, who, who were they making fun of in all the shows? You know, it was the, you know, the Mm -hmm. geeks and the Trekkies and the, you know, anyone who was had like weird hobbies. Yes. And then the same people are looking down on people who have weirder, I'm using air quote, hobbies. But yeah, but, but the racism is blatant
0: the racism is so blatant the xenophobia and also and this is something you've heard me talk about on the show the racism and sexism within these fandoms oh
1: yeah
0: yeah so like i'm black and female presenting people for decades was were convinced that i was in this horrible long con Mm. that i'm not really a comic book fan i'm not really an anime fan
1: are you planning on coming clean in the new year? Like new you know year, what, new, new year new, year,
0: new year. um I haven't been a fan of comic books my entire life. <coughs> that's the truth. That's the truth yeah, leaving me. The truth will hurt, you know. Yeah, the truth hurt when it leaves you. I did not recite the spell to summon Etrigan the demon when I was out with a friend recently
1: sounds incredibly fake honestly yeah
0: i i you know what 2024 <laughs> i clearly don't love any of this comic book stuff i don't have fucking batman pins sitting next to me because they need to go on one of my shelves <laughs> no
1: no and I, I obviously you can speak better to that than i can i mean as a as a female presenting person or you know A person who actually identifies as a woman i do Mm. relate to the misogyny within the fandoms but i i am white so you know when i started learning about you know i started following what was the name of that site it was like i can't remember the name of the site it's okay it was it was about black fandom experiences anyway. It was a really good site. I think it's closed down now, but I started following them and I had no idea that it was so prevalent that basically this idea that there is no space for people of color in fandom. I was like what who, what what? You know? It was such a yeah. bizarre notion because we're all nerds and right. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that. Yeah,
0: cuz like There was a long time that people were just convinced that, like, oh, black people aren't nerdy at all. That all we like is hip-hop and rap and, you know, wearing, you know, our our pants so low you can see our underwear. And it's, like, no, like, there's... One of the things I love about, like, the modern internet right now is seeing the prevalence of, like, black alt TikTok, like, alternative. Mm. yeah. Because that was me when I was in high school. I was a black scene kid. Mm -hmm. And I felt so alone. Because I didn't see other people like me. But we were always there. Yeah. Like, in my anime club, I was one, I was the president. And I was one of the few black kids in it. Like, I always felt so alone in my respective spaces. Mm. But, you know, the internet... Has really made it apparent that, like, we were there. Our experiences were valid. Yeah. We just didn't see each other. Also, I'm sorry if you heard a bell. Uh, So, I got a Mari (laughs) Luid button pin.
1: Oh. And if you don't know
0: what the Mari Luid is, it's this Welsh tradition.
1: A horse. um,
0: Yeah, it's a horse skull, usually, like, on a stick, wrapped in a cloth. (laughs) <laughs> and they do the whole, like, waffling thing, where they come in, and you have to, like, tell riddles to the Mari Luid, and they'll ask for liquor, and it's great, but I got a Mari Luid, uh pen.
1: Of course you did. I, shut up. <laughs> I'm not saying, no, no, I'm happy for you. I, I like that strange dead horse thing. It's it's a great tradition.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I'm not a nerd at all. I don't know no, what I'm talking I, about. No, you
1: don't. You I'm I'm so normal. Comment below if you want to call Amanda out on her lying, I guess. Because, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, call him. Yeah, feel free to comment below if you think Amanda's a fake fan wearing a San <laughs> Rio shirt. I know you are. And surrounded by Nindos
1: on all. Oh, I clearly, am, that is a green screen. <laughs> I'm <am laughs> a fucking
0: a clockwork orange Nindo.
1: You're not fooling me. I Trust me, I know. Also, hold on
0: so i got the dumbo squid uh case and i put one of envy's faceplates in it
1: oh no cute i
0: love the dumbo
1: <laughs> squid uh no but thing. you know one thing that came back to me Later. uh remember because when we talked about language the the, the yes. language that is used about about shipping in the west compared to the east there yes, is yes. a lot of oh, I don't even want to touch it, but there is a lot of discourse right now that is covering that exact point and the um, oh Western Western fandom is superior to Eastern because mm-hmm. in a lot of Eastern languages and in a, in a lot of Eastern fandom language CP means coupling, right? As in yes. ship. Yes. And West has decided that since CP is a uh, something completely different in the west which it shouldn't be because the correct term is uh, csem or am depending on how you want to spell it Mm -hmm. yeah so a lot of people are just blatantly xenophobic because they just don't want to accept that other languages exist and they're just like well in the west that's not what it means and therefore this just proves that you are all degenerates and we are better than you no we're not and I think it's
0: the hypocrisy that's the most frustrating part yeah, of it because really. that has been there since the start, is that it's like, oh, well, us in the West, we're clearly so different than those d in Asia, mm-hmm. and it's like- Yeah, I
1: wonder where I've heard that before. Could it be uh, imperialism? Right, it's like, I've,
0: it's like, I've read your Batman porn.
1: <laughs> You're not better than anyone. God, have you seen all the all the Batman-Joker discourses going around Twitter these days? I don't know what happened because we hit 2024 and the antis have discovered the word CP for a couple. They've discovered Batman and Joker ships. And they have discovered Death Note. And I am fucking losing my mind. (laughs) I have been very little on the internet this past week. And yet, what is happening? What is happening?
0: Exactly. And it's, like, it's so funny to me, because, like, I'll see these, like, ships like Batman and Joker, which has been a ship in the fandom. Yeah. Like, since the start of fan culture.
1: I, I literally learned yesterday about that that one universe where the Flash does something, and then Bruce Wayne's parents... Flashpoint. and the Joker. Yep. And I was like, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, so in Flashpoint... um. During the shooting at the movie theater, it's Hmm. Bruce that dies. Yeah, 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 I saw that. Thomas Wayne becomes Batman, and his mother becomes the new Joker.
1: So, yeah, so in that universe, Batman and Joker are married.
0: Yes. And canonically did have sex.
1: Um, I I, I, I mean, honestly, are we just going to... That is also a thing about these Western comics, right? That there are so many universes and so many Mm -hmm. timelines that who are we to say that this, I mean, I think that makes it even more possible for a lot of these pairings to happen because there are all of these versions there are all of these constellations. Who's to say that Batman and Joker haven't fucked at least in one of these universes? Well, and like comics are especially weird with that because, okay, so in the DC comics, there's this thing called Pink Kryptonite. Mm. And it makes you gay. Oh. Yeah. Well, clearly someone must have given me some as a child. Yeah, I was exposed to pink kryptonite as a child. Oh, well that explains so, everything. Yeah, that explains everything.
0: So like right, like there's like this there's this in canon in universe dumb thing that makes you gay. Um in the Green Lantern universe, there's the star sapphires which are ruled by love and their lantern ring creates deep feelings of love. Huh. Yeah. Star sapphires are my core. I hate the Green Lanterns. <laughs> uh, but I'm a proud star sapphire.
1: Sure. I'm again I've again, not been a comic I've not with a you're lies. I know. You and you're incessant lying.
0: I know I, I just I googled all these things right yeah. now. Yeah I haven't known this information for years
1: i mean clearly Um, you you googled all of this right now and you have like a 300 iq since you're able to string together these very coherent arguments
0: i'm on to you i know what you're doing i know it's it's all a part of that long con i'm not actually bisexual i don't like anime i don't like comic books i knew it it's a con artist
1: you're just in this podcast for like the clout and i don't know
0: Yes, all the work I put into this show, I'm here, <laughs> I'm here for the clout. Uh, but that superiority often is, yes, it's rooted in a lot of racism, yeah. a lot of xenophobia, a lot of, yeah, like it is old imperialism. And it was like, oh, well, Western media is superior. And here's one argument that I will say that I find interesting. I'm not endorsing it. But what a lot of people say is, oh, well, Western media is superior because it has better representation. It's like one stop looking to Japan to represent people of color. Just stop. Mm -hmm. Like there's American writers that don't represent Black people well. There are American writers that don't represent Hispanic people well. There are American writers that don't represent all
1: flavors of Mm -hmm. LGBTQIA plus well. I mean that is that is literally the origin of a lot of these fan cultures. Yes, is that the fans took the marginalized side characters it's fix and it. gave them agency. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, and I think that
0: brings us to a great point that we'll start wrapping up on, which yeah. is one of the big pillars of that, which was, and I hate saying it, but Harry Potter.
1: <sighs> I really thought you were going to go with something else. Oh that. no, I'm
0: going to go there.
1: Oh yeah, of course you are. Okay,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm looping us up. I don't want to. <laughs> can't dive straight into what I'm going for.
1: No, no. You gotta have.
0: You gotta have a little bit of fingering and uh, sweet nothings,
1: aka Harry Potter, some wand waving. I guess those
0: wands are so expensive. I'm not putting that near anyone's butthole. <laughs>
1: What you're all telling me you're not
0: rich now? What? All the all the Slytherin just left leapt out. And it's like I'm not putting that <laughs> shit near anyone's butt. Um <laughs> but Harry so much of a Harry Potter fandom yeah. was fix it. Yeah. It was queer because I don't know who doesn't look at Draco and Harry and is like, oh, they have some feelings.
1: I mean Again, I don't have a lot of Western ships, but I see it.
0: It's like they have some feelings about each other. And how much of it was fix-it? It was like, oh, I'm a... You know, I can speak for myself. I'm a black Slytherin. I don't see any of those. Well, when I cosplay in my uniform, it doesn't matter what the movie says or what the book says. I'm valid and I'm here. Yeah. When I play Quidditch, I am validated and I'm here and I did play Quidditch for a while. Um, so how much of the response to, like, especially shipping in that world... And fan works and fanfic was in response to fixing it. A lot of Western uh, shipping is a fix-it. It is formatively seeing it as a way to mend issues that are seen within the work. Yeah. Which leads us into Super hulock
1: Oh, God. Here we go. I just want to... Before you go down the path to hell. I just need to share something I have learned from my young library colleagues because the Harry Potter fanfic verse is clearly still living and thriving and I have learned that the only thing that matters, no matter your sexuality, is Wolfstar and all the young dudes because that is all these kids talk about so I have learned some things
0: you're going to have a wonderful time
1: I feel so... I mean, I know what Wolfstar is. I've just never been... You know, they were old men to me, so I didn't care.
0: <laughs> I That is one of my OTPs, so... Mm.
1: No, I can see it. I, I understand.
0: Fuck off.
1: No! What? <laughs> Fuck off. That wasn't an insult. It was... I, I agree. I agree.
0: If you, you want to look me in the eye and say the Marauders have an all... Touched each other full of shit. Wait,
1: you want me to lie now?
0: Right, like you want to (laughs) lie to someone? Those those boys rolled in a lot of hay. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think I'll back it up a little bit. I think that's also what has made like the divorcing of J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter so difficult in the fan world. Is how divorced she's been from the works. Really, since the works were being published. Yeah. Like Joanne has been divorced from the works <laughs> for decades, so the idea of like saying, "Oh well, you can't read Harry Potter anymore," it's like, why? I I don't I don't go into watching Prisoner of Azkaban and think, "Ah, oh, yes, this is just as Joanne wanted." <laughs> like that's made it really really hard for especially older fans like me, where it's like. She's never been a part of this experience. And yes, I know you're going to say, oh, well, it's the capitalism and giving her money, blah, blah, blah. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm not belittling any of that.
1: No, I'm not saying anything. I was just thinking about how even before she revealed her true self, you know, I feel like the fandom just, you know, once the fandom got its legs, they just went running and she had nothing to do with it anymore because I feel like, Apart from a few instances where I remember everyone like celebrating her for whatever she did, you know, whenever she came Mm -hmm. out on Twitter and said something, I feel like the fandom, just from what I saw from the sidelines, there were so many iconic like ongoing fix and like headcanons Mm -hmm. that everyone had just accepted that that series was already very, very divorced from, from the book canon. Absolutely. For such a long time. Yeah,
0: exactly. But, um, okay, we're going to talk about Super Hulock. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. You do your thing. I do not know anything.
0: Carla, go put the kettle on. We're going to talk about Super <laughs> Hulock. So, Super Hulock is the unholy amalgamation of three big shows that basically gave Tumblr its backbone starting in the 2010s.
1: So, yeah, that's. Sounds- about right
0: which is supernatural doctor who and we're talking about doctors like 10 and 11 specifically
1: yeah because nobody likes nine apparently i like nine i also enjoyed nine
0: i like that mean old man (laughs) there's not a type here at all none no uh and and sherlock from the bbc which yeah. I've talked about a lot on this show.
1: You have? Maybe one day I will actually watch it.
0: Next Patreon episode we watch it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we and we don't watch like the first episode. We watch like the first introduction of Moriarty, so you can see what fucking drag queen Andrew Scott is playing.
1: But if this is an option, why didn't we start on episode one of Kin Why couldn't I just show you <laughs> episode seven?
0: I don't know, Carola. You didn't think about that, but I did.
1: No, I did, but I wanted to show you the first one. Playing, playing 4D chess here.
0: So, <laughs> super SuperHoolock, when I say that you logged into Tumblr in 2010, I guarantee you everything on your dashboard was super
1: SuperHoolock. Not on my dashboard because I used Tumblr Savior and I had that muted. I couldn't stop. I I didn't follow any of these shows and it was fucking everywhere and I just had to mute it. I think I actually muted it on Twitter. I think my Twitter still has it in its like blacklist filter. Uh,
0: It was everywhere and it was a lot of shipping. Now, for Doctor Who, it wasn't necessarily a lot of queer ship as much as it was self-sessed. Because since the start of Doctor Who, there's been a lot of very self-cesty shipping stuff that you can do. Uh, Within Supernatural, there was obviously Dusty L was the big one, but there was also a lot of old Wincest. Which is incest between the two brothers, Dean and Sam.
1: I still think that is so funny because we always used to say that incest is Wincest. And then the Winchesters came along and...
0: Literally, they did incest.
1: And then, literally, that became the shift name. I don't know. I think it's
0: Lincest. poetic
1: in some ways. It way. is. It even is. Even if I don't care about them in the slightest, I still. I mean. Uh,
0: <laughs> and BBC Sherlock, of course, is the gayest show that never intended to be gay.
1: I don't know how because even the, like even the original books are kind of, gay.
0: Yeah. But then you get a Moriarty that's literally a drag queen. Which, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, I like Andrew Scott. I think his performance... I think it's too much for this series. Because he's in, like, a flamboyant level 30. And no one else is rising to meet him. Like, okay, so to make it about comics... It feels like Batman... uh, It feels like the Batman movie that had, like... um, tommy lee jones and jim carrey in it oh yeah yeah i've seen that one where like they were so campy that everyone had to rise to that level because mm. you because otherwise what the fuck is that movie <coughs> moriarty is at like a jim carrey riddler level but no one's risen to his level
1: Ah,
0: uh. so he's just like a literal cartoon character But in this, like, relatively grounded show. Yeah, that sounds a little bizarre. And of course, there was a lot of Sherlock and Watson, because I don't know how you look at any Sherlock story and say that those two aren't at least
1: somewhat queer. I don't care how married Watson is. I mean, neither does Sherlock. Sherlock does not approve of that marriage. He doesn't like it. (laughs) For reasons.
0: And it's interesting because it brings up all of the, like, Sherlock clones. So, like, House is a Sherlock clone. Huh. Yeah. Really? Yeah, his fr- his best friend is... I, oh, my God. It is... It is Watson. Yeah. House is literally a Sherlock clone. We're like, he is a misanthropic asshole. <laughs> it's Wilson. Sorry. Uh, it Wilson, is, it's It's Wilson close enough. Right, so it's Wilson and House. And then they kind of have, like, rotating Moriarty's. Um, But, like, he's literally a Sherlock clone. So that homoeroticism bleeds into even, like, the clones of it. Because if you watch a lot of House, House and Wilson are... It's so weird because, like... The more relationships that Wilson is in, the gayer he seems.
1: <laughs> Maybe I, I don't just know just how that's possible.
0: It, I mean he's figuring it out, I guess. Like it's insane, but Super hulock was this powerhouse and it involved it involved slashfic and there were crossovers where you'd put all three of them into mm-hmm. these giant chimera like fics together. And it was so funny to me watching Super Hulak and watching all these Western fangirls just jerk themselves off to completion. And then sitting in the back and being like, but weebs have been doing this for decades. Mm. We've been doing this. Some of our stuff is even canon, like some of the clamp stuff. Yeah. or like, canonically these characters cross over. Like, what do you... Like, and it was so funny to watch on Super Hulock, where it's just all these fangirls being so self-congratulatory and so proud of themselves. And so, like, look at what we're doing. And it's like, yeah, we've been doing it, too. For for, for many years. <laughs> um, And we're not going to talk about how problematic aspects of Super Hulock got, because that's where... Again, you start seeing some of the racism and some of the sexism because there was a lot of time spent like bashing the doctor's female companions because that got in the way of the gay. Oh. You know, we're not going to talk about the mistreatment of literally most of the actors in Supernatural because they didn't all care about what fangirls felt like. It's hard to acknowledge the Sherlock part of it because I know how much Stephen Moffat hates fangirls. So, as far as I'm concerned, crack on. (laughs) Okay. Just keep going. If you think, if you ever wake up and think what I've done has offended Stephen Moffat, do it again. Such beautiful words.
1: Beautiful parting words. I think we should turn, like, the live into this, like, live therapy session for survivors (laughs) of super Super
0: survivors. (laughs) bring
1: us bring us your your memories and your old fanfic we'll 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 dissect it with you
0: (laughs) absolutely but like it was insane and it was so fascinating to watch because yeah it's like look at us look at all these things that we're doing
1: it's like yeah anime fans have been doing this forever what are you talking about Again, dare I say it, invalidation of non-Western media and fandoms.
0: 100%. It's insane. Um, There is so much that we get to talk about um, in the live that I am so excited to talk about. (laughs) And in our Patreon episode, we're going to talk about our top five Western ships, which Carola (laughs) has discovered four of them while talking to me today. (laughs)
1: oh my god i forgot that that was the theme thank you for helping me through this i will have to write them down
0: Um, i will also be writing them down
1: i'm also gonna sort my notes from today so maybe i can use them more efficiently in the live
0: yeah yeah (laughs) And then we haven't forgotten where do you guys want us to start putting our sources because i think tumblr is going to be the easiest place to do it but if there's another place that you guys would like that stuff let us know in the comments below um I've had an amazing time talking about the shipping habits uh, in Western fandom spaces, because this is a little you know, this is close to my heart. I spent a lot of time in Western fandom spaces. You know, my bread and butter really was starting mm-hmm. in this space before I sold my soul to anime. Um, <laughs> and in a religious like- experience.:
1: And I feel like I've had like a little anthropology. Crash yes. Course this week because f- I mean, finally, I had the excuse to read a lot of these books and like the chapters mm-hmm. that I've been ignoring. So that was very interesting. I think that this has been a very interesting conversation. And I am, again, I'm surprised. I, not that I didn't know, but like there are so many core similarities, like these fandom experiences and the way that they've developed. They're very similar, part. they are so similar.
0: Uh, well, and I think it yeah. goes back to that conversation that we had early in the series that it's like a lot of Western fangirls like to pretend that, and Western fans in general, like they aren't polyglots. Mm. Like they don't like other things that like <laughs> the comic book side of me and the anime side of me never shall the two mix. Mm. No, they're both a part of me. Yeah. And they both enhance each other and feed off, you know, the sci fi part of me, the British comedy part of me. Like, oh, that could never match up with, you know, the parts of me that watched a lot of, I mean, I, I don't watch a lot of like American sitcom television. I, I watch medical dramas.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what I'm thinking too. I'm like, what do I have mm-hmm. that, because, you know, I mostly watch eastern shows and like consume eastern media it's not like mm-hmm. i it's not like i don't consume western things but when i start mm-hmm. thinking about what do i consume in the west it's like uh period dramas and yeah. documentaries i guess about serial killers i mean i <laughs> and and like horror i like horror so there's that
0: yeah but i think that that's also like so to bring it back to like the black cultural experience being diasporic, i felt and do still feel a lot of cultural abandonment to being an american Mm. because i'm never fully accepted as being an american in the u.s because of the color of my skin because i live in a fundamentally racist nation uh i just
1: i i can't i cannot with your nation i can't you
0: i can't either Yes,
1: this is this is not a political podcast, but is it not? I don't know. We talk about politics a lot. You cannot abduct people from their homes and force them to live in a country, and then say you don't belong here. That that doesn't. I don't. I went through a lot
0: of like cultural abandonment angst, uh, which is one of the reasons why I abandoned Western media so much. And dove headfirst into Japan. Mm. Because this fictionalized version of Japan that existed somewhere between Inuyasha's forest and the ramen shop in Naruto was willing to accept me. Yeah. In all the places that America didn't because I was too white, quote unquote, for the black kids. But I was clearly too black for the white kids. Fictional Japan accepted me. Mm-hmm. So I abandoned a lot of Western media, like 2010s. I was aware of it because I had a history with it. It's so like, I started watching Supernatural when I was in high school, like 2004, 2005. Mm. So I already had a history of Supernatural. I've been watching Doctor Who because my parents loved British television. Um, And then Sherlock, I mean, I fought it kicking and screaming because I don't like <laughs> that show.
1: you're just a victim i am but you know like yes i don't have obviously very very different uh, experience Mm -hmm. but in my case you know because i am from a very small northern Mm -hmm. country we don't have like we have culture and we do Mm -hmm. have media but Mm -hmm. i think when you i think when you grow up in You know, when you grow up somewhere, when pretty much everything that you consume originates from somewhere else. And, you know, for us also, you know, largely the U.S. and the U.K. and Sweden, Mm -hmm. because I grew up, I was raised on Swedish television. That was just how it was. But that we became more susceptible, like we are more open to Mm -hmm. foreign media, to subtitles, to, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's so it was just natural for me to just fall into other countries media because it wasn't that different because we are raised on American media even though it's not you know it's not ours it just feels like it right so, so it's very different experience but
0: but yeah and there's a lot of stuff that we'll also probably talk about in the live when it comes to again we're going to bring back some of those classist and racist implications Hooray. of the superior i know it's so exciting <laughs> uh, i've had a lovely time talking about this as a good intro
1: yeah. Uh,
0: if you want to uh, hear our Patreon episode where we discuss our top five Western uh, ships, you can do so by supporting the show at patreon.com. And <laughs> Corolla, we have been sitting on this <gasps> for months.
1: Yes! Do you want to
0: talk about next month's episode?
1: I do. I feel like it will just come out as like a jumble of sounds. <laughs> I've been so afraid of saying it. And I'm like, okay. No. Okay. We're very excited. February. So excited. Next month. Yes. So excited! We are having a most distinguished, amazing guest on. We're
0: mm-hmm. going
1: to talk about something that we never talk about on this podcast, but in much more, much more, uh, mm-hmm. eloquent ways. We're going to be yep. talking about purity culture with none other than Sam Aburima. Is that how yes. you pronounce it, Aburima? Aburima? Yes. Uh, yes. Of Rainy Studios, the scholar. <laughs> We're going to finally talk about Purity Culture. And you know oh, what? Sam! Year
0: that this is going to be the year of we need to call in an expert. And Sam oh, yes. is... I'm so excited. Oh my
1: god, I'm so excited. having
0: them on the show. Uh, so that's something you can look forward to in February.
1: It's been so hard to not accidentally just name drop Sam.
0: We have literally oh. been like sitting on this for months. <laughs> and have just been like, this isn't real. This isn't happening. We have to... But we have to talk about it. We have to wait. We have to talk about it. We have to wait. Have to wait. Yeah. Uh, so I'm so excited for that. That's and what it, you can forward to so in February. Corolla, uh, where can the good listeners find us?
1: I mean, we are literally everywhere. We're, we're like the plague of Yahweh. Oh, no, you can find us. I mean, obviously, we are on YouTube. We are on all of the... Not the YouTube platforms. All of the podcasting platforms. Yes. We're on Anchor. We're on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. We're on Spotify. We are on Spotify. Yeah, I'm not on Spotify, but I know we as a podcast, or on Spotify. Um, You can find us at the Yahweh Shelf on Twitter Mm -hmm. and Instagram, Mm -hmm. and on Tumblr. Mm -hmm. Did I forget? And on Blue Sky, if you are... And on Blue Sky, which uh, I have forgotten existed, yes. (laughs) If you are trying to migrate away from Twitter. uh, Honestly, just Google at the Yahweh Shelf, and you'll find us everywhere. You sure will. Uh, (laughs) And Patreon! Join our Patreon.
0: This has been an amazing first episode, despite me dying of
1: plague. I am so proud of you for making it through. You actually sound better than you did at the beginning.
0: God bless American cough medicine.
1: (laughs) I don't know. That actually made me feel instantly concerned for you.
0: Did I tell you about the one time that I was legally drunk off cough medicine at work? No. So... I went into work. This was like years ago, and I had like a very, very similar chest cold. So I was taking this medicine, and I was just like taking like open swigs from the bottle because I had work to do. Oh my god! And I was feeling great. Yeah, of course like, you were. Yeah, it's ten percent alcohol by volume. I was drunk. Oh
1: my god! They're wine. Taking swigs. Aren't there like measurements? Yeah, they're little the measuring
0: Yeah. No, I'm taking, like, open mouth. Oh, spray. my God. I'm like, I feel great. Like, you're legally drunk, Amanda. You're,
1: your symptoms are not better. You are intoxicated. That, that sounds awful. And it reminds me of a, a person I know who I think his dad is, like, a doctor. And he had some sort of infection. And he was like, oh, just, you know, take this cough medicine or whatever. And didn't he neglected to inform his son that this thing had morphine in it. Yes, And he didn't realize until he started hallucinating. So that was great.
0: Yeah. So in the U.S., you can get cough medicine with codeine. It's harder to get. Like, you can't get that over the counter, obviously. It's also one of the ingredients in lean. Jesus. Uh, But no, mine was just alcohol. And I was like, I feel great. Like, you're drunk.
1: Don't take swigs from your cough medicine. Like what <laughs> Why?
0: Doctor Dr. Carola telling Amanda to yeah.
1: be responsible. Trust me. I am a medical professional. Right now. Right now. You trump
0: all of my medical knowledge from all of my
1: Yes. From
0: all of my medical dramas.
1: <laughs> as long as it's not lupus. But it never is. My grandma had lupus.
0: Oh, my God. It's always a connection. Ooh. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for the live. By then, I should be recovered. Oh, one should hope so. I do have <laughs> asthma, so you never know.
1: Please, please be careful and take care of yourself in the meantime. Girl,
0: it's like You can't die. It's the first
1: episode of the season. Please don't die before we have Sam on. Can you just oh, die I can now? die after Sam? Yeah. Okay. Try to make it until (laughs) then. I'll try to survive until Sam is on. Yeah.
0: Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.
1: Bye.